The following is a presentation of the Bellup Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Sports Scramble Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chet, and we got my co-host, Wade and Tyler, with us after some wonderful College World Series baseball, some golf, uh, basketball wrapped up last week. Some people call it a dead time in sports, but I think we're just getting started. How are y'all doing this weekend? Yeah, had an eventful weekend full of sports. Uh, it started early on Thursday. We hit up English Turn again with the boys and had a good round. There you go. Nice. Got some golf in. I almost died on the golf course because it was like 104 <laughs> degrees. And I decided I was going to go walk nine holes. Played good, but thoroughly regretted it afterwards. Wedge, did you get anything, any sports in this weekend? Uh, nothing organized um, other than volleyball this week, which we lost. So back oh. to the, the L column. One and one. Uh, team just didn't come out firing. Um, this go around, we played at six thirty, and as y'all know, it's very hot at six thirty in the afternoon when the sun is coming right into your eyes. So, yeah, <laughs> and the, we have uh, the thirty slot again this week. So we, I saw the power was going out in Baton Rouge because it was so hot, and people were freaking out because it was right before the LSU game uh, yeah. had first pitch, and they were like, "Where are we going to watch the game?" Walk-ons was out of power. Uh, What's the uh, Superior Grill was out of power? Every, it was like all the all the spots were gone. It was like you, you got to get a generator, rock and roll. It's hur- almost hurricane season. Yeah, Lisa and I were in um, our Rouse's getting a pregame meal, and we just saw it just downpour outside, and we were like, well, we're going to be here a minute. And sure enough, <laughs> you know, like always, 30 minutes uh, blows right by. That's what we were trying to tell the NCAA, you know, is it – it just it, comes. It's going to happen every day, but it's going to blow over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had a little bit of weather delays in Omaha, and people were like, oh, LSU brought the weather with them. So, yeah. But uh, we also brought the jello cool. shots. So it's okay. We're dominating that record. But I mean, let's get into it. We got, uh, you know, College World Series kicked off on Friday. Um, you had Florida win their first game, Oral Roberts win their first game. And then, of course, Saturday, you had Wake Forest come back and beat Stanford. And then LSU ended up taking down the Volunteers. Let's get to. The first game was TCU and uh, Oral Roberts, and I didn't watch a whole lot of this game, but uh, it was a comeback, wasn't it? Did uh, TCU yep. come or Oral Roberts came back uh, later innings and took that game from the Horn Frogs? Yep, they sure did. Yeah, so yeah, it was a ninth inning heroics for both of those games on Friday. Um, it was really cool to to you know kick off Omaha in that in that fashion. You never want to see teams come in and get bulldozed you want right. quality baseball and uh all the games this week were really tight yeah i mean at one point lsu looked like they were gonna run away with it with paul skeen's on the mound and as soon as you pull them next pitch boom two run home run literally the game pitch. five two yeah like literally gavin Gidry came in through one pitch and it was a moonshot over the left uh left center wall so but like you said the Omaha has lived up to the hype there's been more home runs than some people have expected they keep saying oh it's not a hitter's ballpark I don't know I mean it's not a bunch of runs scored but I think you're just facing that good of pitching staff but they are you know they're hitting home runs when they need to uh one of the biggest things is the home run of the jello shot challenge we've got a live update from 
what is it, Rocco's in Omaha. Of course, as we mentioned last show, the record was 18,777 set by Ole Miss this year. That was for the entire two weeks. We are currently three days into the tournament, and the LSU fans have tallied up 10,474. They're all pace to break the record by the middle of next week. I saw a tweet. It's 134 jello shots an hour by LSU is what they're putting out over there in the bar. So uh, second place is is a respectable Wake Forest at 4,463. And then TCU in third, 2,679. And Oral Roberts. We we didn't give them any chance last week, but they're sitting in fourth place with over two thousand. Okay, we tried and we yep. shot them down. <laughs> yep. Uh, Virginia and Stanford are both lowly. Uh, Virginia's eliminated. Um, they lost uh, this morning to TCU. Right? Is that who beat them this morning? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So a score of four to three. So Virginia's going home. I mean, their fans can I guess can hang out and drink some more. But and of course, actually, right now Florida is beating Oral Roberts two to one. And uh, we had to do the show on Sunday night, normally Monday night, but our beloved Tigers are playing. So uh, what was your favorite game from the weekend, guys? What what y'all see? What stood out? Yeah, I feel like the opener was my favorite game. The Florida one was also a good one, uh, but I just feel like old Roberts, especially with the way that they did it, it was the nine hole. It hit a three-run bomb. Uh, The the announcers thought that it was a a walk-off, but they forgot that it was in the top of the ninth. Uh, but the announcers have been a little <laughs> iffy this weekend. They, they were maybe yeah. heat the yeah, hydration. The have been a little bit iffy, but Oral Roberts, man, like you go back to the Super Regional, they were up by eight. Now, now in Omaha, they were up, they were down by three at one point, and then in the ninth, uh, they were able to crawl back. So this Oral Roberts team is fighting clawing right now. They're only down by a run with First and Waldrop on the mound, one of Florida's aces. So. If they win tonight, I mean, this would just be a Cinderella story. This team might even top Fresno State if they were able to make it that far. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to get my hands on one of their shirts. Uh, Tyler, you found them the other day. They each team put out the branded Omaha gear and Oral Roberts' is Oral Aha, to play on words. And Stanford is just Stanford. Like, yep. they, didn't, they didn't come up with anything, anything <laughs> creative. Uh, of course, you got Goma Hall over there from LSU. I think uh, what was Florida's? Florida's was decent. It was like Oma Chomp. Yeah, Oma Chomp, something yeah. like that. But then you just got Stanford. They're yeah, smart over there, but they're not creative. creative. So, wait, what's your favorite game? Lacking. <laughs> yeah, favorite game. I mean, obviously LSU win was pretty sweet. Um, but I think that far as excitement factor, that Florida and Virginia game uh, definitely fit the bill. Uh, Florida was, of course, up early. They had a really good uh, pitching for performance from their guy, uh, number eight. His name slipped in my mind right now. Um, and then they let up the lead, and I was looking like a genius for the Virginia upset pick. And then Florida came right back. Um, I thought it was interesting that their catcher, who has 17 home runs and a 350 batting average, has already decided to accept a uh, business consulting position and says he's not even going to enter his name in the draft. I what? think that could change after this week, after he hit the uh, two-run tank in the ninth inning. <laughs> if I'm him, I'm giving the draft a shot. I mean, if, if you don't like where you get drafted, just turn it down and go work. I mean, that's yeah. kind of crazy. As that somebody who even... sits at a desk, I would yeah. try to give it a shot. I mean, we, we've had a minor league catcher on the show. Um 
a couple a uh, couple of months ago. I mean, he just said you just give it a shot, see where it takes you. I mean, he might not be called up to the mate. Florida's guy might not be called up to the majors anytime soon. But I mean, what's it hurt to put your name in the draft? Um, it's not like you got to go to. I don't even. Do they even have like a place where they hold it, like the NFL does? Uh, they do now. Uh, they pushed back the draft. I think this what's year, and it won't be during Omaha. They tried doing the draft at Omaha. That was a failed experiment during the COVID year. Didn't happen, mm-hmm. and then they've bumped it back now to the MLB All Star break. So they they hosted, I think, in the city where yeah, the All Star game okay. is, and um, they fly in the number one or you know the top couple picks they they fly them in for the game yeah so so you'll so after their pick is the draft after the all-star game it's just i think it's the the day of the uh home run derby or the day before okay where's the all-star game about this year uh this year it's in seattle okay so we'll see dylan cruz and paul skeen sitting next to each other first class on a flight out of baton rouge (laughs) seattle they will not attend that there's no way they might uh just be on a first class flight to Middle of nowhere, Illinois, where they're going to start their minor league journey. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I mean, the announcers were speculating Paul Skeens' MLB uh, uh, start last night. Uh, which let's talk about the announcers for a second. I think they're getting into the Jello shots, like Tyler said. They, oh my gosh, a walk off home run. Velo. Yeah, they said Velo about forty five times during the game last night. Uh, so it's not your. Yo, I like seeing Big McDonald up there. If, I mean, I, tomorrow night I might just put on LSU's broad, radio oh, it broadcast looks worse tomorrow and, night. Yeah, and just listen to it. So that way you got Chris Blair and Duck Thompson and the guys over there. But it's uh, it's they're trying. I'll give them that. I think that they should let the three of us do color commentary out there. Uh, but I might get into the Jello shots if I'm out there call, calling games all day. I imagine you get tired. <laughs> uh, but you know, Paul Skeens had what? 12 strikeouts last night was it 12 or 11 12 ended with 12 so he's two two away from tying the sec record at ben mcdonald um set three away from breaking it now if he gets another chance to pitch it's a it's a a given but question for you tyler if lsu is facing a potential elimination game do you throw schemes like if it's a thursday you got it got it no question no question at all your season's on the line you want your ace on the mound i don't care if, it's going to be what well, I believe it would be like a Thursday game. I think it was what the two one. I'm not sure if yeah, the schedule so it, or not. I've Maybe got it pulled up right here. Google that for me real quick. But if it's at least like a five day rest, I would definitely put him on the mound. I think you know he's he threw what like 114, 115 pitches last night. So he definitely is going to need some normal rest. Uh, so yeah. I think if you're an elimination game, your season's on the line. What better way than have Paul Skeens on the mound? Well, here's the thing. If they lose Monday night, they'll play Tuesday um, night. That might be a, a tad too soon to throw a guy who just yeah. threw 120 pitches. I don't know. I mean, he's not going to be. It would have to be. The only way that I would pitch him is in the 2-1 game. Yeah, and that would be a Thursday game, yeah. which I think is See, enough then for that would be, That would be enough five for days. him. I mean, that's what the, the – you throw your starters in the MLB. They got five days rest. I know he's been working seven. Ideally, you don't have to throw him until you get to the championship game. You go 3-0, and you're set up. I mean, five. if he gets to that point, he with his attitude, I think that he's going to be like, Coach, give me the ball. Yeah. I'm shut. And that's another thing. Wade, I want you to speak to this. I've been seeing on Twitter all these MLB scouts talk about how Jay Johnson doesn't have Paul Skeens' uh, best interest at, at heart how it's disgusting that they're letting him throw complete games at 120 pitches when he's going to be drafted in two weeks. The, I have a feeling it's more Paul Skeens telling Jay, no, coach, I'm not coming off the mound. I don't care what you say. What do you, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think uh, you could visibly see that Paul Skeens was not happy that um, his coach didn't let him finish the inning yesterday. I think he wanted to finish the eighth. Um, I think a complete game was kind of out of the question at that point. And ultimately, I, I think Johnson probably made the right decision. Um, easy to say that after a win. Uh, right. But no, LSU's been conditioning Paul Skeens for this moment. Uh, the pitch count has gotten a little bit higher as we've gone along, but, um, you know, he's in a, a very good position. He's already pretty well developed as a, as a prospect. He's kind of one of the rare college guys that you can get a guaranteed seven innings out of nowadays. Most guys are going five or six right. at the max. So he's built for this. Um, it's a little easier to pump 120 pitches when you're, you know, six foot six and true. you're throwing from about 50 feet away by the time you, yeah, after he stretches, I mean, you're looking at 102 miles an hour out of his hand. It's looking like 110 by the time it gets to the plate. It looks like he's throwing batting practice for the home run derby, honestly, and it's it's coming in there at 98. So yeah, he's got good mechanics, and um, I think he'll be just fine. I think if you asked him to throw three games um, in, in the College World Series, I think he would absolutely do it. I think that would probably be pushing it a little bit, but these guys are competitors, and let's face it, they're going to be pitching for irrelevant single-A baseball teams here in just about three weeks. So, Well, and that was another conversation. <laughs> that was another conversation in, in the booth was, you know, there, it's been the big discussion between Paul Skeens or Dylan Cruz going number one in the draft. And, I mean, it's based on uh, it's Pittsburgh Pirates are in number one. But if, if they're making a playoff push, which everyone thinks they will, I mean, they're kind of in a driver's seat here. Uh, do you take Skeens and put him into the back end of your bullpen rotation? Maybe let him pitch uh, one or two games in single A, throw him in a double A or triple A game. But, I mean, he's got stuff to be possibly like a closer or a middle relief guy out of a big league bullpen this year. Or do you just draft him because he's pitched, uh, what's he coming up on, like 180 innings this season? Um, shut him down and just wait till next season. It's a cool story. I think uh, it's a rare situation that you don't see often with Pittsburgh kind of going from first to, or from worst to first in their division. Right. Um, and yeah, I think they could contend with the Brewers and the Reds for that, that playoff spot. But I think you have to be realistic. Um, you're looking at a one game playoff for whoever wins the NL Central. And you don't want to jeopardize the the future of your your franchise, um, especially if you view him as a, a starter long term. But um, I, I personally would let him throw a couple games in the minors and then just kind of phase him out um, for the season. But I think you could let him come up to the bullpen, you know, if, if you really wanted to and, and give him that chance. But then next year, I would um, immediately send him back down to the minors and let him develop right. as a starter. No, and that, that's a good point. So if you're Pittsburgh, you're taking Paul Skeens over Dylan Cruz at number one? I don't know. I, I'll let Tyler speak to it. He might know more about the prospects. But, uh, I mean, we've spent three years talking about Dylan Cruz being a, a five-tool five player. Um, yep, yep. And uh, he's super talented. So I think it's hard to forego that. But Paul Skeens looks super polished as well. And uh, Pittsburgh, they have some talent offensively. Um they don't have a ton on the mound, so I can see him making that switch. Tyler, who are you taking? I mean, you can't really go wrong with with either of the guys. I, I know that's that's what makes it tough. Is you, I mean, you it's can't. either 
it's whatever you want to prioritize right now. Like if you're thinking of, okay, we're going to make a playoff push. Okay. We're going to go with pitching. I mean, they're often, I don't think that Pittsburgh Pirates honestly are going to make the playoffs. I think that the Reds already passed them, the Brewers, but their pitching is going to lock them up. So honestly, I've been going back and forth all season. I, it would not surprise me if they didn't even go Dylan Cruz or Paul Skeens because I've heard like they want to save some money on like some MLB teams rather go with like some guy from the high school and save well. some money yeah. and not have to, you know, spend some millions on it, which I would watch, which I'm really rooting for. I want like Paul Skeens to go to the Rangers and go with that program instead of like, you know, the Pirates. Uh, but nothing wrong about the Pirates. Uh, but Ultimately, think that Pittsburgh is going to prioritize pitching. They definitely need it uh, over offense. Uh, I think that I don't know. It's just it's just tough. Like if you're the Pirates, like it doesn't matter. Like you pitch. Like if you want to go with Wyatt Langford too, like he's a good player as well. So I mean, the Pirates. I don't even know where they're going to go, but I think that they are really set up with that number one pick. And I think Langford's a guy that you could save some cap space on. Um, like Tyler mentioned, I mean he. Probably's expecting top five money at this point. So right. if he could maybe sign at that point, then you could I guess the point in saving cap money is that you could take a, a high school kid in the second round that might be going to college and you can throw a huge signing bonus at him and, and get kind of two first round prospects in that regard. Um but I I, I don't know. Two generational talent players like that. They saved some money a couple of years ago, actually getting Henry Davis, who made his MLB debut today. Um, so hit a walk off today to win it. I saw. Wow. All right. That's a good way to debut. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think they get into the league. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at the, the draft order. You got Pirates, Nationals, Tigers, and Rangers. I bet you the Rangers would be ecstatic if Paul Skeens or Dylan Cruz have Yeah, they're not going to drop that far, but I would yeah. be shocked if, if one of them fall to them. Nationals, oh. though, I think they're in the driver's seat, too. Like, whoever the Pirates pass on, be like, all right, yeah, thank you very that. much. We'll take yeah. them at number two. If I'm it being honest, be Dylan Cruz, who knows? If the Pirates are making a playoff push, their pitching has been good enough to get them there, so... If you draft schemes, I'm probably not putting them in. I mean, no, like I said, he's thrown a ton of innings this year. You don't you don't want to run into a, a Kumar Rocker situation where he has Tommy John as soon as he's drafted mm-hmm. um, because you overuse him. So I would draft him, shut him down for a season, maybe let him. Uh, I mean, I probably wouldn't even have him pitch in the minors. I'd just wait till next season. Give him a nice signing bonus. A load of bullpens and get ready for next season. Exactly. That's that's. I think that's the way to go if you're the Pirates or the Nationals. So, but uh, what the draft? What what day is the draft exactly? So we can let our listeners know. I think NASCAR it's, uh, meals second week of July, like July 10th. Okay. So we got a little bit of time. Um, they'll know exactly what to do when it comes up. Um, like I mentioned, we know uh, Neil. He says throw. Uh, throw Paul if the, if we got to play Thursday in a 2-1 game, which I think we all agree with you there, Neil. If you're in the chat, let us know who you would pick at number one in the MLB draft. And for those listening on audio on Wednesday, you can catch us live, usually Monday nights, but we're doing a special Wednesday night. Um, shoot, next week, potentially uh, won't be going live on Monday night either if, if, our, if our Tigers are in a game three of the championship. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully they win the first two games and we'll just have a celebratory show on Monday night. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Kyle's World Series has not disappointed yet. Uh, I think the score is still 2-1 Florida over Oral Aha. And uh, t- 
tomorrow we'll have uh, LSU take on Wake Forest at 6 o'clock Central Time. And Tennessee take on Sanford. I believe it starts at 1 o'clock. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that Tennessee-Stanford game. That's going to be a, a good game because they were both teams that can hit and they have good pitching staff. Um, I don't know if y'all saw when Stanford's pitcher came in against Wake Forest, he had so much hair, they had to put bobby pins to keep his hat on his head. <laughs> he was rocking an afro. So respect to that guy for keeping his hat on. Uh, but have your predictions changed? Are we all picking LSU to win the national championship? I guess I'm switching to LSU over Florida um, <laughs> as Virginia's gone. But, uh, yeah, I feel good about where things are at. I think that uh, Wake Forest certainly, uh, you know, didn't disappoint. And I, I would say that Wake Forest probably has the pitching advantage over LSU coming into tomorrow's game. Uh, but the LSU bats have been really, really good. And um, I think that LSU's style of offense plays a little bit better for this ballpark. Right. Uh, I think Wake Forest kind of has some fringe power and – they might hit the ball well to the gaps, but um, a lot of these fly balls that were home runs at their home stadium are loud outs uh, in Omaha, whereas LSU's kind of got the guys that can put it over the, the bullpens. Well, and we mentioned this, Tyler and I, on our Bayou Bengal Bites show. You can catch it out over on our YouTube channel for your LSU news. I mentioned Ty Floyd. It, you see a few during the game uh, – leave the ballpark you know he he tends to leave a change up high maybe elevates a fastball and the hitters go get it uh but i don't think he has to worry about that in this part particularly um just because he can pitch with a little more confidence knowing that uh, they're gonna it's gonna stay in the yard uh more times than not so i expect him to have a good game against wake forest's offense tomorrow okay um, he definitely needs to eat up some innings that's definitely gonna be crucial you can't have any of these uh three innings pitch uh, anymore and right you know, you still got the guys available. You know, Thatcher Hurd can go, uh, but you would rather, you know, Ty Floyd eat up some innings and Thatcher Hurd go like two or three innings and then maybe get handed off to Nate Ackenhausen uh, to close out the deal. And then you're set up for the 2-0 game and whoever comes back and, you know, wins. So I think tomorrow's game is very crucial. I think that if Wake Forest wins, I just, uh, I just don't see a path for LSU to come back, especially with how Wake Forest's pitching is built. They have four aces pretty much, and the yep. ace that's going tomorrow is a lefty. Uh, so that's definitely oh, that's an, an issue. Interesting matchup. Uh, so Tyfo is going to have to be on it. I th- think that's definitely going to be a, a, the game of the year. These were the t- only two teams to reach number one. LSU controlled the number one spot at the beginning of the season. It's been a Wake Forest. So. This Wake Forest team, you know, plays in the ACC. It's one of, it's probably outside the SEC, one of the best conferences uh, this year. So, yeah, two teams make it home all. I mean, this is going to be. Uh, I think this is going to be a battle, and I think it's going to come down to the to the final pitch. Every every pitch is going to count uh, in this, you know, in this inning, and then also this game. Uh, but I'm still rolling with the Tigers, and the other game will be interesting too because Stanford has Quinn Matthews going. And Tennessee has Chase Dolander, so that will be a pitching, pitching matchup right there as well. So Dang, all the I, I'm still going to go for Rocky Top. I just don't see them going 0-2. I'm honestly surprised that uh, Tennessee didn't throw Dolander last night against LSU. I think you saw the matchup at the beginning of the year, and it was a tight game until the very end. Uh, I understand that Andrew Lindsay has been your Friday night guy the past couple of weeks, but in my opinion, Dolander is definitely the better pitcher. But – I guess it sets you up good now. You've got Doe Lander, you're basically your ace going up against a very good Stanford team. So yeah. worked out. Yeah, they they wanted to throw a new lost game number one. They're like their pitching is also set up to, to still make a run. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I want to quote Tony Vitello, favorite quote from the weekend. I don't know what we did to Gavin Dugas, but he hates us because he sends the hit home runs every time he plays them. So, um, shout out. If you listen to Bobby Bingo Bites, yes, ex- exactly. So, uh, Neil says whoever wins tomorrow night wins it all. I think I, I agree. agree with you, Neil. I Especially on that side of the bracket. Definitely. So, you set up nice. Um, and if you win, you say hopefully save your bullpen. Uh, and game three, kind of, you can use some guys. So, um, well, of course, we'll have next week to recap the rest of the games and then give our our picks for the championship. Well, it'll actually be right after the championship, so we'll know who won. Uh, but nonetheless, it's been a fun college football season or college baseball season, not football just yet. Get too excited. Um, <laughs> let's get to some golf. We had major golf this weekend. U.S. Open, 123rd U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. Uh, players don't love it out here. I personally don't like it when it's out there because the, it's still going on it's 7 30 here in central texas and they're on hole number 12 so who knows when the golf's gonna finish but we had ricky fowler lead most of the weekend now he's he's uh dropped a few shots he's shooting four over right now not a great look for the orange kid uh he's in t3 but our picks from last week we said roy mcelroy tommy fleetwood or scotty Scheffler. Roy McIlroy sitting in second place. Tommy Fleetwood and Scotty Shuffler are all tied for fifth place. So look at the guys. We should have placed a bet on all of them top five. I mean, look at us. Doing doing good. Uh, (laughs) Sung J.M. uh, Wade, I don't even see Mm. him. I don't think he made the cut. I think he he got cut. Yeah. It's okay. That wasn't my pick on the show. That was just a uh, historic pick. Yes, I don't see him, so I think it's okay. I think you you did all right. Um, Of course – Tyler and I had our Max Homa bet. Max Homa didn't make the cut, so thanks for that, Max. Um, won't be betting on him anymore. You've had enough chances, Max. Maybe yeah. next year. But, I mean, typically the U.S. Open is set up for carnage. The USGA doesn't want anything under par. Uh, but Thursday, Ricky and Xander Shoffley came out and shot eight under to tie the lowest U.S. Open opening round scores. Um but since then, I mean, there hasn't been – yeah, there's some guys at 11 and 10. Wyndham Clark's leading the pack right now at 11 under. But you go 11 and 10, and then third place is six under. So, I mean, all in all, people are shooting two, three under. So, I think they got what they want. But the course, from a viewer's standpoint, heard it wasn't great. The fans are a joke. I mean, uh, what is his name? Matt Fitzpatrick, who won it last year, said there's barely anybody out there. The atmosphere sucks. Um, which I did some digging. Turns out they gave there was about twenty five thousand tickets each day to get into the U.S. Open. Ten thousand of those went into suites and corporate sponsorships and stuff like that. Um, and the other uh, nine thousand, so I guess it was twenty thousand. The other nine thousand was for general admission. Uh, the LACC membership bought up forty five hundred of those tickets to themselves because they didn't want people walking on the grass at their, at their course. Uh, so it is what it is. That, that means basically there was 4,500 general admission tickets. So that's why the fans are kind of iffy. So, I mean, Tyler, do you think they should be allowed to host another major no. championship after I this? I think I they're mean, done. I think the players, I saw Brooks Kepka in an article that he, hates he's, it. he's sick of it. It's like, I'm seriously having to, like, I'm on a tee box. And I'm having blind shots. So yeah. You know, I know that you mentioned, you know, Ricky Fowler and Xander got off to a hot start, but now it's kind of kind of cooled off. We've right. seen some around, hover around even. And we saw like Max Homa was under par and then he blew up, had like yeah. six over. So 
I don't know. It's just I haven't really been a fan of this course uh, so far. You know, the crowd, the atmosphere. It just doesn't feel like a PGA event. It's like no one there. The live of it. They merged. The live of it. Like somebody, Matthew Fitzpatrick had an ace, and you hear crickets. Scotty yeah. Scheffler pulled out crickets. It's like what's going on? Like every shot and like every big moment in this tournament is like nothing going on. So uh, Los Angeles Country Club, I hope you never host uh, an event like this again because you I don't. Think they're locked into like 2032. Oh, so maybe they'll get it figured out in 10 years. But the uh, or maybe the Saudis can just like build a, a better country <laughs> club since they have, you know, access. millions and millions of money. dollars coming from nowhere. Yeah. It'll be the yeah. US Open at Saudi Arabia. At Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could, we could do the uh, European Open and it'll just call it, they'll just put it in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we'll just say it's the same. Uh, but I mean, you mentioned Scotty Scheffler holds out from 200 yards on a par five. Uh, or I'm sorry, I think that was a par four. I was watching Sports Center this morning. Uh, my camera is flickering. I don't know what's going on. Um, I was watching I too hot. You're getting rolling blackouts. I guess maybe maybe my power is about to go out. I was watching Sports Center this morning, and it was number nine on top plays. I was like, do you know how hard it is to hole out with a four iron from 200 yards? I mean, he hit a beautiful draw, three hop into the into the hole. So. I don't know. It's just it doesn't have the hype that a major championship normally has. Um, Wait, I have I want to get your opinion on this. Sam Bennett, the uh, now professional, uh, but the guy from the Masters from Texas A&M, the amateur that stole everybody's heart, turned pro last week was T20 in RBC Heritage. Um, He was T10 Friday and then he goes out and he shaves his goatee. Hmm. Rookie mistake shoots nine over on Saturday. Oh my! Was, Wade, do you think the re- the reason he shot nine over was because he <laughs> shaved the beard? I mean, I wouldn't have gone against the uh, superstition. I would have kept what's working. Um, yeah. But I think that's probably more of a rookie just getting the jitters uh, and probably playing out of his mind early on, and then playing to uh, his real capabilities the next day. But Chin up, grow out the facial hair, and uh, come back and get them next week. <laughs> hey, you still made the cut in the major. You're still getting a payday, so there you go. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was shocked to see him show up Saturday. I placed a bet on him to finish top 20, and he shows up Saturday without a goatee. I was like, okay, maybe he's, I don't know, feeling himself. And then he shoots nine over, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I looked at his scorecard. It was like double birdie, double birdie, double birdie, and then the back nine was even worse. The back nine's been tough out here, but – uh, as, I mean, it should wrap up in about an hour. Who do you, Tyler, you still got Rory take, uh, ho- hoisting the trophy on the 18th? Grade. Yeah, I mean, if he's that close, I might as well stick with him. So One shot difference. Rory. He's in the group ahead of Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler. Uh, Wade, who are you picking? To, to... Uh, I need like seven consecutive bogeys uh, from everybody in the top <laughs> to get, four. To get so to Rick, Tommy Fleetwood uh, can win with a six <laughs> under. He's probably already flying back to like, wherever he lives and is going to be winning. Yeah. He's uh he's T six right now at minus five. Wyndham Clark, the leader is at minus 11. Um, <laughs> Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Smith are making a run. They're both at six under, but I think they're going to run out of time. Uh, I'm going to go Wyndham Clark to hold on. Of course a little you different are. From Just go with the favorite. Sounds yeah. like a hotel brand. Yeah. Thing at the well, executive suite at the Wyndham Clark. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Rory, he's been choking lately, but maybe he gets it done. I think it'd be cool to see Wyndham win his first major. He I just think it'd be cool it. for storylines. 
yeah, I mean, Roy's already done. He's proven what he needs to do to stop talking about live. Just, he, I mean, he realized what he said didn't matter. And he was out. He's just focusing on golf. And look at him. He's sitting in second place at the U.S. Open. So we'll see how it wraps up. Uh, we'll see who wins. If I'm right or if Tyler's right. Who knows the better golf? So um, with that, I want to get into our dogs of the week. So here we go. I had to bark a little bit longer because I was taking a sip of water. So who got that dog in him? Tyler, start us off. Yeah, I'm going to go with the MLB. I'm sure that Wade is probably going to follow me on that train as he always been. I'm going to go to the Atlanta Braves, go with Eddie Rosario. He had a big day today as the Braves were down five to nothing and it wasn't looking too good. And then they put up 14 runs on the Rockies as they swept 40 on the weekend. That's crazy. Holy yeah. cow. I think he had like five home runs in the span of three straight games. So oh, Eddie Rosario, log of the week. Dang. Yeah, I agree with you, Tyler. That's a a good pick. It's good to see him coming around. I mean, that Braves outfield looks really, really good now with uh, Michael Harris coming around too. He had a yeah. good weekend. Acuna today. went over 15 on the weekend and they put up 40 runs. So that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good when you're, you know, your best player and you still put up that offense. Yeah. Wade, who you got? All right. I'm sticking with MLB. As Tyler mentioned, I'm going to go with the king of uh, Major League Baseball at the moment. Shohei Otani, I mean, he's getting it done on the mound, and especially with the bat. So, uh, yeah, he now leads all of baseball in home runs after a tirade. This week, he hit six home runs, and he had a a quality start as well in a game where he hit a home run against the NL West or AL West leading uh, Texas Rangers. So it wasn't like he was getting this done against Scrubs. Uh, But I think since I texted you all the final stat line, he was in progress and added another hit. So let's see oh what his goodness. final stat line of the week is. For Mr. Otani, yep, he added another hit. So 10 for 23, swinging the bat, That's nine crazy. runs, six home runs, 12 RBIs, a stolen base for good measure, and 10 walks. So uh, he stepped up to the plate 30 times, got on base 20. Uh, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> so Yeah, really. I mean, the fact that he's doing it on the mound and at the plates, uh, he's got to be one of the – I mean, he is base, probably baseball's biggest superstar. Um, do you all think he stays on the Angels after this season? Mm, not if they keep winning. <laughs> uh, I think the Angels are kind of turning the corner. I think they could make a wild card push this year. Um, but I and L.A. is a big market. It's just that he's on the wrong L.A. team. Uh, That's right. I think that – the Dodgers, you know, would give him a chance to truly live in the the limelight. Uh, I guess my controversial take is I would consider um, paying him a lot of money just to be a hitter only. I think what he brings on the mound is great, and I think it adds to his, like, athleticism. And I don't know, maybe it, it feeds into his rhythm, but, I mean, just what he's doing with the bat is just incredible. Um he doesn't really play a position in the field. Well, so. they, could, they had him in right field for a while last season. So, I mean, if you if you needed yeah, to. Yeah, and this year he's been a head. DH only, and it, I think it's really helped him be able to focus. I mean, the guy's focusing on three different things at that point, so I get it. Uh, I mean, obviously, he would start at DH on any team in the league. Uh, he's that good. But I don't know. I just – I don't know if the pitching helps him get in his rhythm or if it's 
maybe a little bit of an inhibitor, but uh, I guess you'd have to ask the guy himself. But whatever he's doing, it's phenomenal. Um, that's one of the most dominant weeks we've seen in Major League Baseball. How how many strikeouts did you say he had this weekend, or did he pitch? He pitched. Um, I don't know the the pitching stat line. I can pull it up, but I I know he got the win and hit a home run all in the same game. Um, so you know it's kind of like a little league start. In his start this week, he would have been the all star in the little league all star game, the little league world series. Let, let him just go out there and hit. Yeah, games. really, just let him do it all for you. Uh, let's see. He... I mean, I I don't even I wouldn't go as far to say it inhibit him. It inhibits him because he's performing at such a high level in both pitching and uh, hitting. But I mean, could to your point, I guess if if he focuses only on hitting, could you imagine what his numbers would be? I mean, yeah, I'm just wondering if it. How like, can you get any higher than what he's at? So he went six innings, got the win, let up three runs and or two runs and had three strikeouts. So a quality start. Um, yeah. And then he gave himself the lead with an eighth inning home run. So I mean, look at <laughs> him. Yeah. Out. yeah, that that I mean that is the definition of got that dog in him. Um, before I give my pick. Uh, of course, watching, let us know in the comments who your pick is for Dog of the Week. Um, but my pick, someone, Tyler, I don't know how you're going to put this on the poll, but it's the bartenders. That's why I didn't even do this. the Twitter poll last week because <laughs> I, I was not guard. putting just security guard and ha- having everyone confused. Because no. Of on the yes. Uh, bartenders over at Rocco's for making all the jello shots. That's, oh, that's, not my, that's not my true Dog of the Week. I want to give you somebody. <laughs> Mine's going to be Braden Bear. Um, LSU's right fielder going three for four last night. You know, I got to pick an LSU guy. Um, A single shy of the cycle. And if the 110 mile an hour exit velocity line drive at the pitcher doesn't hit uh, Andrew Lindsay's backhanded glove, that's a single form right there. And he would have done it in order without that. Yeah, he would have gone single, single, double, triple, home run. So, uh, but I mean, we mentioned in Omaha, you need guys to step up and be a star in a game to win. And I think Joe Bear was one of the biggest stars last night, going double, triple, homer, uh, great play in the field. So that's my pick for dog of the week. So let us know in the comments who your picks are. Um, of course, we'll be probably putting a little clip of this out onto our YouTube channel. So if you're watching, like, comment, subscribe, and uh, give us give us your takes. Um, going down to uh, the college basketball, shifting gears a little bit. Haven't talked uh, about that in a few months. No, we have not. Since March. Uh, Bob Huggins uh, was controversial a couple months ago for some comments that he had on a radio show. Uh, West Virginia gave him a second chance. What a lot of people don't know is they actually – he had like a lifetime contract. They changed it to year by year. Uh, basically said if you screw up again, you're done. Well, two days ago, he got pulled over uh, for drunk driving, uh, very drunk driving, blew a 0.28 blood alcohol content, uh, which is more than double the legal limit. It's a good MLB batting average. <laughs> yes. 0.280 gets you an all-star game right there. Um, didn't know where he was. Uh, so unfortunately that's a sad situation, but West Virginia, uh, they didn't fire him. He resigned. So, I mean, he had his second chance and he blew it. So kind of not surprising to see there. Um, don't I'm not really tapped into the college basketball world and coaching carousel. Any guys that stick out potentially uh, coach West Virginia? I have Probably no idea, but it, for the for the year yeah. at least. Uh, yeah, 
since it's so sudden, they'll, they'll probably promote, but that, that's definitely a big blow. Bob Huggins has definitely been uh, one of the best college basketball coaches. I think he, that he was going to retire eventually. It's just, uh, you know, what, you know, the increment, the incidents that's been happening, he right. had to retire. I mean, well, quote unquote, retire. It was like, I know he resigned. I guess that sounds better than, you know, fire yeah. a guy, but that pretty much was a self fire. So, yep. yeah. The university gave him, you know, two shots. They gave him a second and, chance. Yeah, he and, gave him a second chance, and, you know, and he was blocking the traffic and, you know, too much alcohol. I don't know. Right party out Swift, there in Morgantown, it's a, it's a party city. He got uh, crazy but, at Taylor Swift. That's exactly what yeah, happened. Well, Taylor so, crazy. Uh, but, yeah, this West Virginia program uh, might not be as good uh, for a little while, especially, uh, you know, with the interim changes that's coming. I would imagine there will be a lot of transfers, a lot of people hitting the portal. Um, so, We'll see what happens. I'm um, fortunate, you know, don't ever drink and drive. Call an Uber. I mean, he makes enough money. He could have easily called an Uber or called a private driver. But he didn't want to use Uber. I mean, it's just there's really no excuse for that to happen. So uh, another I see you had it here in the notes, Tyler, in the document, we'll call it. Uh, San Diego State tells the Mountain West. See you later. Uh, what basketball power right there. What yep. conference is this only for basketball? No, it's going to be for no, everything. everything. Okay. So, yep. So, what conference do you see them joining? I think the most sense is the Pac 12. UCLA and USC are going to be out the door. It just makes sense geographically. San Diego State, you know, you know, the basketball team just made the final four. Uh, they're, yep. they're, you know, their football team has been consistent at times. They just made a bowl game. Uh, so, I think that. It wouldn't be, you know, like the okay move. I think that if you're the Pac-12, you got to go get Boise State just for the football power aspect of it, too. Well, so, and I mean, they got the blue field, so that's cool. yeah. But so, think about this: if the Pac-12 can't get their TV deal going, which they haven't yet, they're back down to the Pac-10 momentarily at the moment. So, is it possible that we see the Pac-12 implode entirely, and we see? Stanford and Cal join the other um, prestigious California schools in the Big Ten. And then maybe we see the SEC go poach um, maybe a team like Utah or something that regionally makes sense. And then we see the Big 12 go after the powers of Oregon and Washington. Hold on. I think that's a little far-fetched, but the SEC go get Utah. Yeah, that's a long plane ride Utah to be taking. More sense in the Big Twelve, like Colorado, and goes back to the Big Twelve, and Utah joins back with them. I yeah, I just think that you're I think Oregon would go, already has like made the phone calls to the Big Ten, but the Big Ten doesn't want them yet. The I, Big Ten has their. Uh, academic know, restrictions just, too. but yeah I, I definitely get where you're going i mean we're just slowly starting to go to super conferences sec is going to be sec and the big 10 are going to be the first ones to do it and we'll see you know if some of the acc schools you know maybe we see like clemson and florida state go over to the sec who knows if that will ever happen it just, you know it makes sense geographically uh but Maybe we see a merger between the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Definitely that's what I was that would be a – okay, that's the a big better pack. approach. The, the big, big pack. Yeah, like big pack 24. The- <laughs> I, so you mentioned Super Conference. And 10 years or so, I could see it be SEC, Big 10, Big Pack 12, um, or whatever you want to call it. The Just Big those Pack, three. I like that. That, make, that makes more sense to me because you got the Big 12 be kind of the Midwest area. Um, the Big Ten is more northern states, and then, the SEC, and then you got USC and UCLA. 
they'll jo- they'll join something. Uh, but I could see the ACC and the Pac-12 being the next two conferences to kind of just dissolve into Pac-12 and the Big 12, ACC, probably split between the Big 10 and the SEC. And then um, you'll have so- Notre Dame out there in the wing, waiting in the wings. Notre Dame will never go to conference. school. I mean, they'll, there's like 100 be- relevant programs. So if you get to maybe even less, maybe like 80. So if you got to like four 20-team conferences, I guess that's what I'm getting gonna, at is. It's basically be the NFL. See. I feel like Notre Dame is just San Diego State trying to because their basketball, all their basketball programs are already in the ACC. I'm sure their lacrosse teams are in the ACC too. So I don't know. Either Notre Dame needs to join the conference, suck it up, go to the Big Ten or the ACC, and stop being independent. Yeah, they're gonna get left in the dust. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. Um, Breaking news to me: What about Paul Benary interviewing for the Miami (laughs) baseball job? Have y'all heard anything? I didn't know that either. Now, yep. that's interesting. He's remained in Baton Rouge, as far as I know, uh, so, since leaving. But you never see Paul Maneri well, at the LSU stuff. You do see um, Skip Bertman interacting. Uh, he's doing the reverse seen... Skip Bertman because Skip's, uh, you know, went yeah, to Skip Miami, Miami and then went to LSU. LSU. So yeah. Paul's trying to do the same. It's crazy to me, though. I, I, I thought that Paul Maneri was going to be – you know, done with baseball forever. But if he takes a Miami job, I think that's a program. I think that he's one of the great recruiting coaches. You know, you know, he had Skip yep. Berman. It was the head coach there. I, you know, Miami has been a consistent program the past couple of years, though. They've been one and done uh, in the region. They've been able to host the regionals. So uh, I think the rumors, I think he's definitely going to interview, but is he going to get the job? Probably not. Yeah, I just don't I know what he brings. I mean, this is a college, new era of college baseball, and that's he, what I was he couldn't say. do it at LSU. Yeah. yeah, college baseball is moving younger, younger coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what Paul's got to be close to seventy now, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, just, just I'd stay retired if I was him. But you mentioned an interesting point. You don't see Paul Maneri a lot at the LSU games this season. I feel like I've seen Skip Bertman more than ever before. I don't know if maybe Paul and Skip didn't get along that well. I might just be making up an area. It was out there hitting the Tommy when he was accepting the award. But I think he's salty that Johnson and Maner and Johnson and Bertman are getting along better than he ever did with Bertman. I think Johnson is going to Bertman a lot more for advice in terms of the LSU lore and atmosphere and just what it means to be the LSU baseball coach, which he doesn't need the coaching advice, obviously, but the politics side of things um i think skip helps out and skip's been more involved with funding you know some changes possibly to the stadium so but you did see paul Maneri, uh when we at the super regional i saw him in the stands saw him in the stands next to skip bertman um and scott woodward so neil i didn't know about him possibly interviewing for the miami job i'd take the interview if i was him but i'd probably say retired i saw uh, joe girardi interviewed for the ucf baseball job wow okay that would be an interesting hire <laughs> yeah uh, i mean coach carousel is going around transfer portals i mean LSU's got two guys from the transfer portal this week. They're in Omaha. I mean, the, the coaching never stops. So it's uh, it's interesting to see how this all is going to play out. It's like wild, wild west. I mean, NIL is not a huge deal in baseball. Um, at least historically it hasn't been. But I think you're going to see, uh, I mean, NC State's catcher, leading hitter, similar to Tommy White. Um, he just announced he's entering the transfer portal. So these guys are going somewhere where they can get a scholarship explode for a year and say, all right, well, bring me somewhere. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, 
Speaking of transfers, we got to talk about the SEC. The SEC is transferring their schedule from CBS to ESPN starting this next year. Next year, uh, yep. 2024. And of course, uh, during the week, the SEC conference opponents were announced. We don't know dates, but we know teams. Um, let me pull it up here. Uh, games you're most excited for. I know all of y'all. I'm not going to read every matchup. That would take forever. But yeah. uh, give me a game, Tyler, you're most excited for in the tw- uh, 2024 season. Yeah, the game that I'm excited for is this rivalry is finally coming back. It's Texas and Texas A&M at yes. Kyle Field. I kind of wanted it to be at Austin. Uh, that way A&M fans are just more pissed off uh, at, at Texas for coming in. But I think that the SEC granted them a home game for this one. So it's always a bloodbath. Both teams uh, hate the ever-living guts out of each other. Uh, so I'm excited for, for the new SEC. Oklahoma got shafted. You know, yeah, they the did. SEC, they got a gauntlet. Not only have to play Alabama, you know, Tennessee, Texas, and then Ole Miss, Auburn. It's like, you know, they had to travel LSU. It's like, welcome to the SEC, brethren. So I think that Texas got the, the lighter end of it. Uh, I definitely think, you know, they have Alabama, you know, at home. They have Georgia. So I think all in all, Oklahoma definitely <laughs> got the wrong end of the stick of this one. But the matchup I'm excited for is Texas uh, and Texas a and Obviously, you could say Alabama and Georgia, but everybody knows that. Wait, who's your most uh, exciting matchup? Personal reasons, I'm excited for LSU at South Carolina. That yeah, hasn't happened cool since 2015. I was in high school, and that wasn't even supposed to happen. Uh, there was a flood in, yeah. uh, I guess, right before Baton we Rouge, moved in. Oh, no, it, yeah. was, it got moved to Baton Rouge, so they haven't yeah, played there since, like, 2012 or something. So I was at um, the last time, besides that, the time before, when we had the fake extra point oh, yeah, touchdown. Too. It was pouring down rain. I was sitting there with yep. my grandpa. So the last three games have been in Baton Rouge, so I think uh, I'll be making a trip in the fall of 24 to Columbia. Um, so that'll be a cool game to take in. Uh, I guess with the addition, I think, you know, seeing teams like Georgia that and LSU that have come out in favor of the nine conference games for them to, you know, immediately take on Oklahoma and Texas respectively, I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, just believe in what they – they said, um, and the SEC is giving them, giving them their money's worth. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to those matchups. And then, uh, I'm really looking forward to just the new schedule in general, however they end up setting it up. I heard this could be a one-off schedule. Um, I think that's the plan. might revise it. Uh, but I think you're going to see college football kind of transition to more of a NFL type schedule where, it'll be okay to lose a game or two in the regular season, um, you know, and, and you can still make the playoffs and, and win the championship. So I think a lot of people have said this will kind of take the um, importance of the regular season away. And I, I disagree. I think that we'll have some really quality matchups. And then I think just like we're seeing in Omaha, you know, like the, these teams weren't perfect, but they battled um, to the respective championship match. And, and now, you know, you're seeing some battle-tested teams have a chance to win it all. Um, and I think that that will be really cool, uh, especially with some really good out-of-conference games set up, too, like USC at LSU. UCLA uh, at yeah. LSU, yeah. Clemson at LSU in a couple of years. So, um, yeah. The game I'm most excited for, um, mostly because they typically play in the SEC championship, is Georgia 
at Alabama, or is it Alabama and Georgia? I don't remember which one. I think Georgia travels to Bama. Uh, that'll be fun to see in the probably middle of the of the season because you typically see them, like I said, at the end. And uh, but now it's like, well, these two teams got to play each other. I, it's you take away like, um, what am I trying to say here? Where you have both teams, like it was always LSU versus Alabama. Whoever wins that game is going to the SEC championship. Now it's like, well, they could w- say L- Alabama could win that game, but then they lose to Georgia, and it's like, well, it mixes things up a little bit. So, well, without divisions, you know, that game could decide who ends up in the SEC championship and who's going to be in the gutter. So, in 2024, yeah. are they moving away from the divisions, or is yeah, that the divisions are no more? Yeah. So, is it's it just going to be, be the top, top two, two yeah, records? going to be the top two teams. I think the Big Ten is doing that as well. So, both of the, the mega conferences, if you will, are going to pretty much be in the same format. Okay. And I, like I, that. I think that works because um, you'll still have relevancy in the SEC championship and probably the Big Ten championship, whoever – wins that will be eligible for one of the top four seeds. Yeah, it would probably be like one seed, you would have to assume. Well, the biggest thing, like last year, you didn't see – I mean, obviously the two best teams in the Big Ten were Ohio State and Michigan, and then you see Michigan play Purdue um, in the Big Ten championship. Like nobody wants to see that. They want to see Ohio State play Mm -hmm. Michigan again. Um, So I like like that both conferences are moving towards whoever's the top two. That's who plays. I'm assuming it – tiebreakers it's head-to-head record at that at that rate would probably be the yeah. best way to do it yeah you'll get to a situation where you still might not see the top two teams play each right. other in the regular season i would take it a step further and have the tiebreaker be your college football playoff ranking if that's what matters at the end of the year anyways i think you do tiebreaker is head-to-head and if that's not the case if they didn't play at... that's what i mean okay yeah that or you look at not common opponents. I mean, like you go fantasy football wise. You look at points scored versus points against. Whoever whoever has yep. the most, that's who gets it. Uh, I'm sure they'll figure that out eventually. But I think you know, 2024 still eight SEC games, and then uh, they haven't made a decision. But I I, I would imagine 2024. I think they eventually are going to go to the nine. nine. Well. We mentioned this uh, a while ago. A lot of it is like this deal they made with ESPN was only for the 2024 season. So why give them an extra game for free? Yeah. It's a money get, money thing. So And um, assure that in the inaugural 12-team playoff, you know, your teams have the best records possible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You got to see how the playoff shapes up, and there's still a lot of questions unanswered. Yeah. But there's a lot I of moving like, parts that, that still are yet to be solved. LSU plays uh, Clemson that year, I think, anyway. So Skimping out on a game. That yeah. is true. That is true. I mean, that's another rule. Like, you have to, like, each SEC team has to play, like, one power five school a year. I like that. And I think uh, this year, this coming 2023 season, they said that Georgia and LSU are the only two, or Florida and LSU are the only two to play mm-hmm. uh, 10 power five opponents, but they're giving us the benefit of Army, which, you know, Army's a bowl team. I get it. I think that works. Army is no chance to upset us is what I don't like that we're playing them. Is it's them and Appalachian State are like the two teams you never yeah. want to face on a Saturday. You know that flyover is going to be super play. cool though. Oh, dude, the the yeah, that's going to be awesome. We'll probably break out some cool like military appreciation helmets or something. Um, the uh, I mean, I think it, Army is the weekend after Alabama also, so I don't love that. Uh, so I mean, that's a potential upset, but course we'll get into college football previews once we get a little closer um 
looking uh, around sports league. Of course, we had the NBA uh, playoffs wrap up, finals wrap up last week. The Nuggets won their first NBA championship, four to one. Uh, take down the Heat. Of course, I was rooting for my Heat. Uh, couldn't get it done. I mean, Nikolai Jokic is just a force to be reckoned with. You can't stop him. Um, some trade news. Bradley Beal traded to the Phoenix Suns. So KD's got another guy. Um, him, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Dur- Durant. I mean, that's another big three. I think uh, the what is his name? Chris Paul go back to the Clippers. Wasn't in the three? No, he was trade? actually in the trade. It yeah. was Landry Shamit and Chris Paul got. So now he's a wizard. That'd be cool. <laughs> There's yeah, no way that they hold on to him. <laughs> Yeah, I saw a rumor. He's about gonna be like, "Oh, I'm playing for this but... team. Yeah, I'm done. I'm gonna make more State Farm commercials and be done with basketball." Yeah, I don't blame him. Um, and of course, John Morant, his punishment came out suspended for the first 25 games of the season due to reckless. I I think it's more like conduct detrimental. Yeah, distraction like to, to the league. <laughs> yes, reckless conduct. Uh, he issued another apology, said he'll be better. Same thing he said a couple weeks ago. So hopefully he lives up to his words this time. And, you know, guys like Ja and Zion, Zion's got baby mama drama and stripper drama and all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, you look at the two, two NBA, some of them as the faces of the league, and now they're dealing with this. Um, there was trade talks for Zion. Pelicans are shopping them around. I personally think it's more to scare Zion into whipping into shape or we're sending you elsewhere. Uh, I don't know, Tyler, do you think the, the Pelicans are actually thinking about trading them? If they trade them, I'm done with that franchise forever. I'll just say that right here. Well, they would only <laughs> trade them for like the number two. Uh, they're done. I'm I'm done with the NBA if that happens. <laughs> okay, well, uh, fair enough. <laughs> That's where I stand. I mean, he hasn't really done anything. I but know, he but does play, like, he's dominant. If the Spurs yeah, called you and said number one pick for Zion, you wouldn't take it. There's no way that Zion. Well, I know they wouldn't. Pick, but I would but jump no, on no. that. Two were. I mean, I know that they they are trying to move up to the number three pick to get Scott Henderson. It's like the the Trailblazers already said up front. Like we either want Brandon Ingram or Zion. So I'm not trading. I think Brandon that's where Ingram. the rumors are coming. Yeah, Bi is untouchable. Not a chance. You bet. If I, they I, trade I, them, then the Pelicans are the stupidest organization in the world. So. <laughs> So, yeah, that's where I stand. If you trade Zion, you take a gamble, you kind of give up his contract, which is good, but you take a gamble, and if, okay, maybe he gets out of New Orleans and he goes to Portland. Even if they don't, I think this is the prove-it year. If he can't even stay on the court for, like, 40 to 50 games, then then you can go on and, you know, chop some trades. But you need to give, like, at least one more year because this this team still has some young talent. You know, not win the NBA championship necessarily, but definitely make some noise in the playoffs. I mean, you're put in a hard place as if you're the Pelicans GM because it's like, okay, do we hold on to him and we trust yeah. that he's going to get healthier, drop some weight, and get back on the court? Yeah. But the longer you hold on to him and he doesn't, his value is just yeah, going his down. value. Yeah. And now you're paying you, – you signed him to this rookie extension after only seeing him play a 100 games total. I think in two years, two, three years. So I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the Pelicans GM. So that's, that's all I got to say. Got a tough job ahead of him. Yes, he definitely does. Um, got anything else, guys? I think we uh, hit, I mean, Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup. That yeah. was no it's shocker. Fun. They they beat the Panthers <laughs> like nine to three in the last game. I, I mean, saw even... they had like an empty goal for like the last seven minutes of the game. They pretty much just threw in the towel. Yeah. <laughs> 
can't can't come back from that. Yeah, those were two dominating. Sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those some very anticlimactic. Like we had, you know, really good NHL, NBA playoffs the whole time, and then we just have just almost sweeps, pretty much. It honestly should have been sweeps. Both teams got lucky to win both one game, but. Congrats to the Nuggets and the Knights, uh, two teams that won their first uh, championship. You know, the Nuggets, they, this was their first time ever making it to the NBA Finals and winning. And then the Vegas Knights, we already talked about them. Their first season was 2017, and here they are hoisting the trophy. So, congratulations to both teams. Yep, I agree with you. Um, well, that's all I got for this week. Uh, of course, if you want more exciting new sports news, stay up to date on everything happening. Uh, give us a follow over there on the podcast and then leave us a uh, subscribe on our YouTube channel. We're uploading tons of content. Tyler is a content machine. Of course, we take all of our episodes, clip them up into a little shorter, throw them on there. We got college world series predictions and picks. We're about to start doing some college football stuff. We got some fantasy things football. Work. Fantasy football is coming up soon. You got to get those teams. Yeah. You got to get those teams, right? Uh, we got some news coming up for that. So, as always, we appreciate everybody that tuned into the live show. We'll be back uh, possibly to our normal schedule next week. We'll have to see how the Cosmo series plays out. Yes, TBD, uh, potentially Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but with that, guys, thanks for joining me this week, and we hope everyone has a wonderful week. Go Tigers.